thank you very much for listening in to another episode of Alama UDND. We appreciate having you here with us. If you like what we are doing, tell your friends and add us on Instagram at Alama UDND and at Table Minis. If you would like to support us further, join our Patreon for exclusive content and benefits or visit our website at www.tableminis.com. We wish you an amazing week filled with inspiration and peace. Take care. Alama UDND. Why you may never tell me. It's okay, we still steady. Come on, let's take it. Ballare, signor continuo, il chitarrino le suonerò, il chitarrino le suonerò, sì, le suonerò, sì. Hello, welcome again to Alama UDND. On today's episode for Shut Up and Take My Money, we will be talking about Van Richten's Ravenloft. Did I pronounce it correctly this time around? Van Richten. It's not the R, it's the CH. Van Richten. No, you can ignore the R. Van. Van Richten. Van Richten. Yes. Van Richten. And also we'll be talking about Tailspire. I hope there's no in Tailspire. No, Tailspire is just Tailspire. Tailspire. And uh, for the next segment, which is, hey, let's talk about this. We are going to talk about horror-themed TTRPG and how we have ever encountered it before in our lives. Today's special guest, we have our very own Feroz. Hey! Feroz, indeed. Ferro, it like, is I. Like, it is I. <laughs> it is I. Feroz, like the pharaoh of the Egyptian? Yes. Uh, but it's, it's not spelled like that, but oh, yes. Oh, okay. So it's... It's it's an, it's like Faris, but you change the vowels. We are excited to be uh, chatting with Feroz today on a bunch of topics that we have. The first one we're going to talk about, which is Shut up and take my money! <laughs> we are going to talk about Ven... Richten. Richten. Sure. Ravenloft. Richten. This was released today. Today is the 16th of May 2021. Uh, Singapore is now on phase 2, which te- is technically like a lockdown light. Uh, and 2.5. 2.5. This is making us excited because it's just released today. Dennett, what have you found out so far? This is our first look and our first download of it on DD Beyond. Which one? Van, Van Richten or Van Richten? Van, uh, the Van guy. The Van guy. Mm. Uh, what, what do you want me to say? There's so much My to... parents warned me about the guy in the van. <laughs> Is he going to teach you D&D? He tried to. Uh, uh, you're kidding, right? <laughs> Did he give you sweets, Ellie? I mean, it looked like dice. Yeah, so that could be a that could be an intro to your venture into the whole Dread campaign that's that's been brought out in this book. Yeah. Dread campaign, so it's very similar to uh, Curse of Strahd. But no, no, it's not. It's not similar to Curse of Stride. It is based on the land of Curse of Stride. It's mm. all in Ravenloft and it's all of these dread, dread dimensions and all these different dread lords. They're different types of villains, just as complex and as cool as... Curse of Stride is the campaign, it's the, it's the story. Whereas Guide to Ravenloft is kind of like the whole world as a source book. What would be a similar uh, Dungeons & Dragons release that is like a Guide to Ravenloft? Lots of other settings. 
like Eberron, Deros. All of the settings books are almost of the same. I am just getting into Dungeons and Dragons, right? I'm trying to figure out if like so settings are basically places that you can go and run campaigns. While full-on campaigns like Curse of Strahd and Tyranny of Dragons are already written adventures. Yeah, those are published adventures. The rest are all settings. Settings are books where dungeon masters can take, they can read, and they can run and create their own games within. I see. So settings it- are wonderful prescribed worlds that other wonderful dungeon masters have written for us to use. So we don't have to make our own world. Oh, that's a very eloquent way of putting it. I think that's... Wow. He's a pharaoh. What do you expect? Oh, yeah. I, I'm the one with like a glib. Today we're playing Dungeons and Dragons. You go inside Van Richards or Anyway, but first, let's talk about Rudolf Van Richten, okay? Rudolf Van Richten is the Van Helsing of Dungeons and Dragons. So he goes through all these realms, right? Trying to defeat all these monsters. And from there, he's just writing. It's kind of like Volo's Guide... Uh, of monsters where he's writing his own uh, collection of information uh, and it's presented this way the book is really good artwork is really strong um, I think if you're a fan of haunted and evil and darkness and you want to put fear in your players right this is a great book to play Ooh. you know like Volo's Guide to Monsters the interesting thing was it was sort of written from his voice from him writing a journal about all these monsters and that was what happened and Tasha's Cauldron of uh, Everything is also written in a similar fashion so Van um, Van okay this Van Helsing guy of the Dungeons and Dragons Rudolf was, Rudolf Van Richten Rudolf let's call him Rudolf uh, that's, is there a, a particular style uh, of writing or voice in this book? Um, not really not really it's just presented in a way it's not as flavoured as the other books mm. Uh, I think they didn't spend time on his personality. If you talk about Volo, Volo's a very pers- It's a big personality. Ta- yeah, Tasha is is incredibly wicked and she's funny, mm. right? So that's she's got a lot of personality. Van Richten is a guy who just kills monsters really, really well, okay. right? Uh, so I think they spent more time building the worlds and creating the text in a way that is presented much better. Lah. It's not so flavoured. Okay, uh, I have a question, Firoz. How yes. would you play Rudolf Van Richten? Rudolf Van Richten. I-, I think the best examples of monster hunters in game, uh, I would say, is Bloodborne. Bloodborne has a cast of very compelling, like, even though they get very little screen time, uh, the hunters in Bloodborne are very, very interesting characters. Uh, Rudolf, I'd say, would be a very severe man. He's spent his whole life doing this incredibly dangerous profession. Um, he's also an investigator, isn't he? Yeah, and right. as Van Helsing, yeah. right, the character of Van Helsing, he's a very intelligent man. In scientific, the original, one who can say he's quite. Kind yeah, of in the original Dracula well. novel, it's Professor yeah. Van Helsing. Yeah. Uh, the image we all have now of Van Helsing is a man, you know, in a leather coat with a hat and a huge gun with him Hugh and Jack silver Hugh Jackman has Jack spoiled everything. <laughs> yeah. Spoiled Wolverine. But Van Helsing is an academic. Van Helsing is this. <laughs> this European man who comes in and he knows everything about the mythology of vampires and werewolves and the, and all things that go bump in the night. Which which actor should play Van Richten in your opinion? Ooh. Any like <laughs> any English classical theatre actor. Uh, I, I would say. say Sean Connery. Sean Connery. <laughs> Sean Connery? No, I think he's too flavoured. Mm. Mm, possibly. In... Penny Dreadful, there's a very nice depiction of old Van Helsing. Mm-hmm. as like a 60-year-old professor, but then he gets 
spoilers, he gets killed. Do you watch very the, soon? Do you guys watch the Dracula thing on Netflix? Yes, I did. I enjoyed it very much. Yeah, Van Helsing was a woman, right? In that show, Agatha Van Helsing. Yeah. yeah, she was awesome. Yeah, she was a nun. Yeah, and then her descendant became like she was fearless. I love the research. Yeah, have you watched it? No, first. I I have a question though. If you were to put um Rudolph in an Asian setting, what kind? Which one, the reindeer? No, if the reindeer, he would be like sate. <laughs> right, you gotta be careful if you are a reindeer in Asia, you be sate. Or a Chinese hot plate. <laughs> Chinese hot plate. But if you are a professor for the occult and like vampire law, um, where would this person be? Every like superstitious middle aged mother. <laughs> with with the slipper that she can yeah. she can fling and hit you in the head. Silver slippers, dude. So like, wait. So in in the backgrounds in uh, Van Richten, right? There's this this new background called investigator, mm-hmm. uh, where you get skill proficiencies, of course, inside investigation or mm-hmm. maybe perception. But they have this cool equipment which I've never been seen in Dungeons and Dragons. I I I can't even remember whether there was any equipment like this. So it's called a magnifying glass. Magnifying glass. Magnifying. Flying. Oh, wow. <laughs> magnifying just, glass. Just normal yes. one then. Come on. <laughs> right. And um so like does it mean that we can use this in game and burn ants? If you want. <laughs> Dude, you your setup was amazing. This magnifying glass is investigator guy. And you want to kill ants? Oh my! You look, you sound like Sid from Toy Story. Story. I'm chaotic evil. What to do? <laughs> but a magnifying glass would be magnifying, not flying. Magnifying glass. Maybe we should come in. Anyone out there who are listening to this, if you come up with like magical items, please come up with a magic flying glass. That means it's a magnifying glass that flies. Yeah, it takes five minutes for the fire to ignite. Serious? This is there. In the book. In the book. Wow. How long does it take in real life? Real? I have no idea. We should try. We should try. Hey, are you got magnifying glass? We should do that as a TikTok video of us just, just three guys committing genocide on ants. <laughs> okay. No, we'll get cancelled really fast. <laughs> yes. The the animal. We'll do it on advocates. people then. Yeah. <laughs> we, we do it on we do it on people. Okay. So this investigator class has not come up uh, in the backgrounds of official Dungeons and Dragons uh, books. No, this is the this this is new. It's it's a lot like the ones in Call of Cthulhu, right? I don't think we've there's been that much of a direct cross between Call of Cthulhu and and Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, they are that, still very like unique entities. Yeah, it's interesting. So, so like investigate investigating adventurers usually just investigation is just one skill that you have as an adventurer. But your ultimate goal as an adventurer is to battle and find out the law of the place and go through an adventure. But with this investigator's uh, investigator background, I foresee that it's going to be a lot uh, around uh, Sherlock Holmes vibes. No, I don't think so. I think it's going to be more like uh, a hunt. you're a hunter, but mm. instead of tracking in the jungle or forest or yeah. in the, the mountain, it's tracking within that city space and uh, within rooms. And and like basements, like Bloodborne. Yeah, like Bloodborne. Yeah, absolutely right. Like Ravenloft is a very Bloodborne setting, actually. Yeah, it is. Why? Why? What do you guys mean? Uh, Bloodborne takes place in Yana, which is a Bloodborne was a mix between Gothic horror and Lovecraftian horror, uh, with the whole like moon thing, you know, and the aliens coming. Um, but aesthetically, also 
Ravenloft is a very gothic city. It's very atmospheric. There's castles, there's fog, you know, and there's all sorts of creatures and just darkness everywhere. Sim similar to the world of Bloodborne, you know, everything's just foggy. And the, the whole gothic horror thing, of course, came from uh, Dracula and all the classic uh, romantic stories, Frankenstein, Jekyll and Hyde, you know, the, the ones we all know from the classic uh, Universal movie. And this gothic is horror is one of the domains of dread in the Van Richten's Guide Scary to Ravenloft. Yeah, so building, building this kind of atmosphere and all that is really, really fun for dungeon masters with who really want to scare their players or create an atmosphere of fear and and like and like beauty oppressive and yeah be beauty depending on gothic on, horror is the most I, romantic I hate, horror no no i hate horror <laughs> I, I just hate i hate horror and and playing cthulhu with you is a nightmare i don't want to play with you anymore i'm done okay we do it okay we definitely uh, we need to unpack that later on then on your fear <laughs> of playing with heroes because i feel the same way i, I okay Horror is, meh, it's not something I look for. I don't like Google on the weekends. Like, what horror thing should I do today? So when we first go, <laughs> <laughs> he does that. He Googles, he goes, what horror stuff can I do in Singapore? <laughs> right, you and many others. I mean, you're you're not. The there, there's one. a whole, there's a whole segment of people who do that. Yeah, so like today, uh, when, we, when we do talk to Firoz later on, we definitely need to unpack this and why we fear him. And today, we're sit actually sitting really far apart from him. At least like three meters away because he's afraid of the law. Oh, COVID. Oh, COVID. Oh, COVID. Oh, COVID. Yeah. But more, more of the fear of me in general. Pharaohs. <laughs> the Pharaoh. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we will be back to talk about Tailspire. So catch you in a moment. Can you sing us like a nice classical song to end this a segment? La donna immobile, qual più mal vento, muta da cento e pensiero. No, I'm not gonna do it, no. Just no. No. Alama UDND. Alama UDND. Okay, Tailspire. What is Tailspire, Daniel? You came in one day into the office and you're like, hey, Paris, you need to check this out. Tailspire. And I looked it up and my mind was blown. Oh, I don't even know how to begin. Tailspire, oh, it's the new way to play Dungeons and Dragons online. Mm -mm. Right. The only problem is that everybody has to buy it. Because like with Roll20 and the rest, right, uh, you just need one account, everybody can share. Mm -mm. Or everybody logs on and it's free for players. Yeah. But Tailspire has this philosophy where they believe that everyone wants to create. So it's basically Lego. Mm -hmm. But Lego using Dwarven Forge tiles online. So you get like premium sets and premium art that you can log into place and create a battle map very easily. And it's not like a dungeon creator where it's all top down. This is this is built upon layers, it's 3D. Isometric. And isometric design, and yeah. it's beautiful. It's like it's like playing Divinity uh, on, on your PC. But right now as a dungeon master, you get to create the scenes and the scenario of it. There's a lot of sets already available online and I think there are a couple of Patreons already started. Mm. Uh, Tailspire was only released I think about 5-6 days ago, very recently. Before that was still in Kickstarter, yeah. but now it's on Steam. Uh, go check it out, it's New Way Play D&D. Yeah, it's twenty two ninety on Steam if I'm not mistaken, the last time I looked at it. And it, this is going to change how we play Dungeons & Dragons. Oh no, 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 wait, 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 wait. The, the music in is built in as well. <gasps> So you don't have to import audio and all that. It's all built in and the music scores are fantastic. Is it royalty free? Uh, royalty free. No, it's built in. So it belongs to them. It's IP. So that means oh. we can't like... Uh, so we can't stream, stream it. 
Um, I don't think I, I haven't played with it enough, right? I've I've interacted with it a little bit. I've played in a game. I didn't dungeon master the game. I played in that game, so I experienced the power of it. It's it's beautiful and all that. But I the functionality, I'm still a bit hazy. So do you think this tail this whole tail spire will change how we play uh, tabletop role playing games? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Um, one of the things I'm afraid also from this jump in tech. Um, is that battle maps become such a focus mm-hmm. uh, the beauty and the fidelity of the dungeon maps or the combat maps or the encounter maps are so focused uh, and so beautiful that uh, the theater of the mind and imagination starts dissipating and becomes less uh, where the visual on screen thing becomes more uh, that's something I'm not entirely comfortable with as as a dungeon master. Um, I mean, impressing your players is always fun, but I mean, keeping them immersed. And, and <clears throat> Tailspire is great in keeping them immersed, right? But you you don't build a story in their head anymore. Yeah. And you don't build collectively because it's, it's flat, it's there. You know what I mean? So that's a little bit of concern to me, but I, it, with technology, there's no stopping it. It's great. I think... Uh, creating very cool battle maps like the one I played there was a river in between and kobolds not kobolds what are kobolds kobolds were shooting at us uh, from across the river and to get to the river to get to the other side was very difficult because it was infested with crocodiles right and we could see all the crocodiles swimming in the river and the kobolds hiding behind uh, cover and all that so it was really really clear it was really really beautiful and it provided a beautiful understanding of the combat Mm-hmm. Right. If this was done in the mine, you wouldn't have that same visceral feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> you could engage the space that well. With this, you could gauge the space really well. And also the problem with having, uh, like we're playing on site, we're playing in real life on the table, uh, coming up with the maps and props and minis and terrain. Uh, building that up takes a lot of time. I mean, setting that up takes about what? Maybe an hour. Yeah, at least an hour. At least an hour setting all of them out just for one scene. Um, and Which is fun, but with Tailspire, it's, it, you, you block it down, 20 minutes, you're done. Wow, that actually cuts down. And, and it's much, much more beautiful. So I just searched it up, it looks... Sick, huh? Yeah. So getting a screen, uh, but that also defeats another part because a lot of screens, a lot of Dungeon Masters build screens on the table already, yeah. where it's flat down on the table. So it's top down. Tailspire is not top down. Tailspire is at 45 degrees where you can manipulate the camera. It could be behind the shoulder of your player looking out to the hordes of orcs in the distance uh, behind the mountain or it could be from the sky from an angle where the sun is uh, staring down at the whole battlefield so you could manipulate the camera within Tailspire it creates a lot of atmosphere which you can't do in in traditional in traditional uh, in traditional mm. maps and and dungeon uh, platforms Fidus uh, yes how, what are your thoughts and opinions on like technology being infused in tabletop RPGs now it's understandable, mm-hmm. especially now in COVID. We online playing is tends to be the the most common and the, the, the way we have to play now. Mm-hmm. Um, but online is very good because for since I'm on I'm, I'm on Discord as well. There's a lot of RPG Discord servers. It lets you play with people all around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this Call of Cthulhu server from the subreddit where 
there's all there's a bunch of like very interesting games being held by keepers from all around the world that I have never taken part in because I am too socially anxious <laughs> to play with strangers online. But I, I mean, personally, I think a lot of a lot of role players still do prefer in person. My my current D and D group seems to be purely online because it, it's a beginner group where it's only their second campaign. They they prefer to play only online because they started D and D online. So I think it also matters how you started RPGs first. But yeah, it, in in terms of role playing, online is definitely a necessary part of role playing today. Yeah. Um, for me, it will still always be tabletop role-playing I mean, and, and sorry yeah. for the environment it's much easier to control on the table because then you have players who are it is more likely to get them invested into it you know it's a lot easier for you to just be on your phone behind the computer screen as the dm's talking as opposed to at the table being present at the being the present, present in the moment. and yeah but that's still a point of view i yeah. mean i've i know dungeon masters who've taken on tailspire like full heart full on and they've their terrain and their minis, they're giving them up. They're giving them away. Because they're going to invest totally in this system. Where they don't... They see that on screen, the fidelity, the atmosphere, the immersion is much better than having it on, on the table. Which which is debatable, I mean, with, with your point of view. Mm. Um, and it's interesting to see how this unfolds later on. Whether there'll be two camps... Mm-mm. Yeah, because I, I remember uh, last year there was a big debate whether Discord was the best way to play Dungeons and Dragons, Mm-mm. right? Uh, and a, a lot of people still argue that it is because you got your rollers and and a lot of the the bots there that that optimizes the whole experience. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. For me personally, face to face, cracking jokes, uh, making people scared. It's it's much more fun, but you can't deny the power of technology, especially yeah. when when you got AR coming in as well. And, yes, and everybody's trying to harness that. There's a, there's a, the next question I want to ask the both of you. Where do you see tabletop role playing games in the near future? How will it be integrated with the, the technology? Uh, have you seen that that Kickstarter? Where it's on YouTube ads, where there's this VR. The D and D like setup. Tabletop. Huh? Yeah, tabletop, but tabletop in VR. Yeah. So like you, you are still you, but you get to like there's a character creation, and you get to like you play with your friends in VR. So you're all still moving. You're all sharing the same virtual space. But there's a it's like a game within a game. You know, there's a battle map. There's still all your characters on the smaller thing, and you can look through their eyes as well and see your like huge self <laughs> hovering over. It's a little bit terrifying. Up, you can even pick up your tokens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's very meta. <laughs> yeah, it's very meta. I, my mind was blown. It's like VR. It's like if playing if you play D and D in VR chat. And I wonder if it's uh, with the improvement, of, like day, week on week, the IT improvement or technological improvement is so fast, right? That one day I might be able to play this game from home with a VR headset and like a speakers on my body, and I can play a whole Dungeons and Dragons game and still see you as then an AR and you fear Pharaoh sitting there. No, I won't be. I won't be me. I'll be a beholder you guess you will be a beholder and Pharaoh will be the pharaoh and we'll play Dungeons and Dragons over a Dungeons and Dragons table and that's gonna be so meta and I wonder if the AI will also start to think and play with us in that way oh god oh no that's another campaign right there you know AI dungeon (laughs) (laughs) are we gonna put it on Kickstarter AI dungeon if we just no like if we got no you know it's a thing really AI AI dungeon.com yep it's a text based 
then AI literally creates the adventure for you. Oh my god, possible to have an AI dungeon master. In I mean, a, to be fair, a lot of people use it just for porn because it. it <laughs> I didn't know that. I'm so interested right now. <laughs> because it, it, I mean, if you want to play a fantasy game, yeah, you'll just go play D and D. If you want to play like a good RPG, you'll go to D and D, right? There aren't. I don't think there are many <laughs> DMs out there. Or GMs in general who'd be willing to completely run an erotica game for you. Yeah. So they go to AI Dungeon. There was one platform that does it, right? What? 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 I mean, not platform. One game system that does it. That's all like abusive, terrible RPG. I don't know what is it called. I remember somebody talking about it. Okay, if you're listening and you know this particular platform, uh, do share it with Dennett, uh, and so that he can run it for it's us. Platform no, or system? No, I'm not going to. It's huh? Platform or system. Uh, game system. Oh, you mean yeah. Fatal? Is it Fatal? Fatal, right? Fatal. I was the one who told you about it. Yeah, you're the one who told me about it. It's disgustingly cool. Yeah. It's 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 terrible. It's a thousand pages long. You need to do quadratic equations to generate character stats. <laughs> Aside from just the general like terribleness of the game in terms of content, it's just a bad RPG. So then, do you think in the future we will play with an AI dungeon master? Yeah. Would I, you? I hope not. I know some people. I mean, think you can choose line. I don't think we'll ever run out of storytellers, but there will be a group of people who go in for AI storytelling. Well, when that happens, I'm gonna look at my laptop and I'm going to say, Alamak, you DND. Why you may never tell me. Masters, no, he, we shouldn't. No, it cannot. You get damage. <laughs> it's get by, by key is a keeper. He's a law keeper. Like law keeper. No, law. he's he's not he's not a keeper in the boyfriend sense, but he's he's a arcane law keeper. Hey, I would say he's a keeper in that sense as well. Anybody out there? Who yeah, wants there's to... there's between you and him. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Firos uh, is one of our law keepers. We'll be talking to him later. Uh, we're going to ask him a bit of more uh, in-depth questions about his experience playing uh, Call of Cthulhu. But for now, we are going to go into a segment called Hey, let's check. And this topic is about uh, tabletop RPGs that have the horror theme in it. All right. So, what are some of horror theme TTRPGs that you have heard of? Waterdeep. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, I I basically know all of them, and I I in, I fully intend to learn all of them. I mean, there's of course Call of Cthulhu. There's Vampire the Masquerade, and the whole World of Darkness line, which I also love a lot. There's the various Savage World settings, like like the Deadlands and the Rippers, and all the miscellaneous. There's Blades in the Dark, which is the How's that like, Blades in the Dark? I've been very interested, in, very interested to play Blades in the Dark. I haven't played it either. You haven't <laughs> but tried I've it? read it. Mm-hmm. It's it it looks very interesting. It's very gothic as well. But in a more like industrial sense, because like the city of Doskwall is once again very foggy, misty, but it's like a steam, it's very steampunk as well. Mm. Um, there's kids on bikes. Kids yes, on bikes is horror. Kids there's Delta bikes. Green, Delta which is like an extension of Call of Cthulhu, which embodies the more modern um, governmental horror, you know, like Men in Black kind of thing. There's Cult, Divinity Lost, which is the... 90s horror RPG. Ecclesiastical horror. Yeah. It's in the 90s, beautiful. What's the word? Ecclesiastical? No, that's the new one. Is it? Divinity Lost. They made it in 4th cult. edition. Cult, Divinity Lost, uh? yeah. A revival of the 90s horror. Yeah, a revival of the 90s horror. What's Ecclesiastical? You use the word. Ecclesiastical horror. Ecclesi- Sorry. Ecclesiastical. Ecclesiastical. You got it? <laughs> Don't know anything wrong with my testicles. Like, 
like church horror basically like. uh, it, It's about like You know creation About demons, angels And divinity Have you heard about Ten Candle? Oh, I've heard about Ten Candle I've candles. heard of Ten yeah. Candle Ten Candle is really cool as well I mean I've, I've heard of it I'm not sure what it is Oh <laughs> <laughs> No it's a, it's, it's a one shot RPG uh, That answers his questions What do people actually do When the world is ending? Right okay. Oh yes I, I remember that one So that's, that's, that's survival horror mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, speaking of survival horror, I th- if we look at Dungeons and Dragons, I mean, Curse of Strahd is survival horror yep. as well. Dread, yes. Yeah, I think like talk to me about Dread. One of my favorite one-shot systems, that which uses a Jenga tower. Yes. Or honestly, like any any sort of instrument where the the more you do it, the more precarious it becomes. Beautiful. Like my love yeah. life. Yeah. Whoa! Somebody getting married. Say that. And it can be applied to any any system and any story. How, how, about, an how about Alien? Alien. Yes, I'm. I'm actually getting Alien. Yes. I've I ordered Alien. Alien. I forgot. Yes, I'm getting the Alien RPG. I don't want you to run it. I'm scared. <laughs> what the game is? It's sparkly. It's fantasy. You get jugglers and circus and and the whole beauty of that 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 land. Where Call of Cthulhu, you just I mean, I think it's down and to try not to because die. Because Waterdeep is a campaign setting. Mm-hmm. Call of Cthulhu is a system. Uh, but you, you can you, argue as well. Call of Cthulhu is a setting as well. It, I mean, specifically is, Arkham. There is a like a, there is a mood to it. The Lovecraft Country, like. Correct. There is a mood to it, and there's a. There is, but see, I could run a Call of Cthulhu game set in Waterdeep. I could run a Waterdeep game set in Call of Cthulhu. Set in Arkham. Yes, but nothing happens besides chasing around for money. <laughs> it, it's not so much of the... The system definitely adds the atmosphere and the whole mood and tone of the game. But I think any... I wouldn't say a, a good <laughs> GM uh, would be able to permutate to whatever what, whatever world, whatever setting, whatever scenario. Because there's always horror to be found. Just as how there's always something funny, something beautiful to be found in... Any world setting scenario or That's character. True. That's true. Because horror, horror is a reflection of the world. It's a reflection of life. Yeah. It takes the dark things of, of existence and turns it into a work of art. Just as fantasy, just like romance, even just like comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, horror is in demand. I mean, in, in nineteen, not nineteen, two thousand nineteen, Forbes came out with the horror industry valuation, which comes up to a billion dollars annually. What? Just just on on movies and books alone. So it's it's a pretty people. People vote with their wallets, and it's it's a much much in demand uh, level of gaming and entertainment. And my girlfriend is so into horror, and any th- any horror game I play for her is just not good enough. It's just not it's just not scary enough. And I can't go any. I don't know how to run horror games at a horrific level. What I can it? scare players. Yeah, but I mean to totally horrify them. Like, what does that mean? How do you do that as a dungeon master? That's that's my question. What's the benchmark for like the greatest uh, horror movie of all time? Alamak. UDND. <laughs> this is a horror podcast, everybody. <laughs> um, See, nobody can answer. Right, I think con- the first. Because conjuring. it's so hard. Because conjuring? Yeah. Okay, go. Uh, the Exorcist is a second. Uh, and the third one I would say is uh, Shutter. The Japanese or the American one? The Thai one. Alright, was it Thai or Japanese? Thai. Right. Sorry, my bad. No problem. Thai. We're all the same one. <laughs> Thai and Indonesians do really good horror. Oh, because they live their horror. Yes, yes. It's mm. basically their backyard. Yeah, dude. So, like, are there any campaigns being run that is based on, like, an Asian uh, concept? I'm sure somebody's somewhere out there. If you're running a campaign that way, please let us know. 
Yeah, man, we want to play with yeah. some Pondianas and some Pondianas. Uh, no, I don't want to play. I just want to hear about it. <laughs> I'm chicken shit. I am so chicken shit, it's not even funny anymore. Plus, in no. general, in, in, in an Asian setting, it's also taboo to just speak of it in general. True. Because then you'll summon it. Is oh. that really still... I mean, our parents' generation, yes, but our generation, no way. De- depends on how much you've been tortured by their superstition. Oh, uh, yeah, that's true. Wait, like, wait we're, we're, we're much to the central question. Even in, like, when we're outside, yeah. we're much more willing to talk about Western ghosts and demons and all that than we are to even drop the name of Pontiana when you're under a tree. I'm fine. Pontiana can't touch me. I'm not halal. Just saying. Stop it! Stop it, Farid. Farid is looking behind my back as though there's somebody there. Stop it, okay? Can you tell you a bit more about that? Uh, no, but no, really. Like, what does it take to truly horrify your players? I mean, to scare the bejesus out of them. I don't know how. There is... Okay, the difficulty for me, right? When running Call of Cthulhu for you, you are terrified of your tits. <laughs> Please don't say that out loud. <laughs> I, I told you that in confidentiality <laughs> and over drinks, please. <laughs> the other players Do like, not like bring up my tits again in public. <laughs> okay, guys, please. Dennis' tits are scary. No, no, I'm, I mean, I'm done. I'm fucking done, you guys. <laughs> no, 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 I don't mean like you're scared of your tits. I mean, you're, as, as you're very scared. Yeah, not about your. It was just an expression. Yes, we. Everybody got that. Okay. Shut up, you guys. <laughs> this is and this is the truth about horror. Every time you go horror, everybody cracks the most ridiculous jokes so they can come out of this atmosphere. You guys break immersion like assholes. <laughs> I cannot help you. We cannot help you. So yes, can you continue how to make. How they scare the bejesus out of your players, please. Because you're terrified. Yes. I'm easy. But you, like but you got the my other girlfriend. Players you got my girlfriend who's difficult. Are dissatisfied yeah. with the intensity. Which is very difficult to balance when you have like contrasting players in your group. Okay. Um Because if you go any higher, you up the intensity for me, I literally will go to the corner and cry. So it's um I think it's a lot we shouldn't strive to, you know, constantly horrify. Because I think I've mentioned this before at some point. Uh, lots of people look to horror as a medium and the goal to scare. You know, everyone says, like, if, if, when, when a layman watches a horror movie or when, you, you know, when, when teenagers go with their girlfriends and all that, and they're like, oh yeah, I wasn't scared of that movie. That's not the point. Yeah, I think horror doesn't always need to scare. The, the whole concept of horror was it takes, you know, like I say, it takes things from life. It takes the, the dark and evil, all the terrifying things that exist in our world and it turns it into a work of art, it amplifies it, it focuses on the shadows between the spaces. And it, the, the person viewing, you know, if they think that the idea was to scare, then they, they don't really get it. Because, especially when you're a huge horror buff, most of us aren't scared of horror movies and horror fiction anymore, but we still love it because, because of the, the darkness in there. We've, we have found beauty. In, in the dark thing, I use the word dark a lot. We have found beauty in the, the horrific and the disturbing and the things that, you know, you could never really bear to handle in real life. So how, how would you define darkness or dark? Basically anything that if were to happen for real, we would probably just shrivel up and cry. If you were to be confronted with a man at the end of the hallway with a knife and 
you cannot make out his figure at all. He's wearing a mask and he's covered in blood. In a horror movie, another thing was that horror movies and books and, and scenarios prepare you for like survival scenarios in life. Because when you make it through alive, you know, you kind of feel good about yourself because you survived and the person in there didn't. Just like how dreams and nightmares are also like survival preparations for us. Yeah, darkness is just anything that if it would happen for real, it would be terrible and we would not be enjoying it as much as we would in horror fiction. This is like a practice for if it happens. Uh. I mean, from a if evolution standpoint, yeah. Can you, Afiros, do us a favor yes. to end this segment of Let's Chat by singing You Will Die? <coughs> you will die, you will die tomorrow, or perhaps you'll die the day after that. But you will die one day. It's okay, we still steady. Okay, alright, let's go to our next uh, segment. And this segment is called our Fireside Chat. And we have, of course, you've been hearing his voice. He's been a uh, great insight in this whole horror theme. It's our very good friend and our law keeper at Table Minis. His name is Feroz. Once again, greetings, e. everyone. Alright, so we have a bunch of questions for you. Alright, Ferris, how did you first get into uh, tabletop role-playing game? If, if I were to give you a, a, a proper answer, I would say two years ago. Okay. Only two years ago, I started playing role-playing games, uh, tabletop role-playing games. Mm -mm. And of course, I started with Dungeons & Dragons. Everyone did. Mm -mm. But f for some reason, I kind of always knew about the existence of tabletop role-playing games. Mm -mm. I don't know where I first heard it from or, 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 or where like, I first saw it or, mm -mm. or my, any experience with it. All I know is that my first like, real experience that I can remember with it was two years ago, playing the D&D starter set. Yeah. But... I recently discovered while cleaning my house a pack of polyhedral dice mm -hmm. that I, from like my, my children's drawer yeah. from ages ago. So which, which indicates to me I probably had some really early experience with, that, with tabletop role-playing. Yes. Which is absolutely terrifying <laughs> because I cannot remember it. I, I remember when I was nine, uh, I was in London and I walked into a games workshop yeah. thinking that I, I see, I see, I see, I'm a child, I see the word games. I yeah. go, ooh. And so there was this like bearded man who tried to teach me Warhammer yeah. and I pretended to understand so I could leave as fast as I could with my mother. So yeah, that was my first experience with like Warhammer and tabletop wargaming. Um, for, for RPG, I probably had a similar experience but that one I cannot remember. What do you find interesting? So you specifically run horror themed RPG like yes. Call of Cthulhu and Vampire Mask. I mean, I can run different RPGs, you know. I, 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 I'm good at fantasy and all genre in general and a small like tangent. Hmm. Um, I love telling stories. I love immersing in stories. I love escaping reality, you know, but also not ignoring it. Um, the satisfaction, of course, for horror specifically, I love to scare. I love when Dennett's afraid, you know. How has your experience been running Call of Cthulhu for us? Has been wonderful. Certainly not better than I thought. Um, Is it just because of me? <laughs> no, I think I was more scared of running a game than you ever were in the entire game. Mm -hmm. Because I'm honestly not as experienced as I sound. <laughs> yeah, we know that. And I mean, in terms of like literature and just stories in general, yes, I've been doing that my whole life. But for, for role-playing games and creating a story for other people to experience and to create an immersive environment, that's still something I'm very new at and very eager to explore. So I was, I was very, very happy with... Um, and sound effects and music just love me. Yes, yes dude. It's not, it's not fair. Like it's perfect. It kicks in at perfect moments. When I was leaving last time with Faris, we were downstairs, right? 
like after, after Call of Cthulhu, and you left in your cab already. Yep. And we were just waiting for our cab. And I said, oh, look, there's a cockroach over there. And then I, it moved, and I said, it's coming towards us. And as I said that, the vending machine at the back went, <laughs> <laughs> the just, I got freaked out, like, whoa, 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 whoa. Was that the cockroach making that sound? Was that the bloke? He's in tune, dude. You are in tune. What would the ultimate game of horror for you, what would it be? Like, I mean, if you were to run one, if you could run one last session for a group of players, and this is the, the last time you can ever run a horror, what would you do? I don't think I would be as, I would care as much about terrifying them. I think like any other game master, I would want to inflict just in, in, in sight very strong emotions mm. uh, whether it's fear or the attachment to the characters mm. because I've never had I've never run a l- in my life I've never run a long campaign mm. I've only run like two session three session games mm. so I, I'd love to explore long games mm. and I don't know what that would be like for horror mm. because I re- I've really never tried and I'm mm. very eager to find out uh, but f- right now my idea of the perfect game would just be everyone having fun mm. And honestly, don't take the horror too seriously. Yeah. Like, I think horror blends perfectly well with just being funny and comedy. Because, as evident in our game, you know, when you're in a scary scenario, your first instinct is to make it funny. All the Let's Players on YouTube, right? Markiplier, PewDiePie, everyone who, like, played horror in the past and everyone who plays horror now, we watch them because we love their funny commentary. You know, that's the reason why... I mean, for people who can afford it, like, that's the reason why we don't go out and play horror games on our own. We like watching other people play them. Because these are funny people. Mm. You know, and horror and comedy are really, really good bedfellows. Mm. And I think we shouldn't be afraid of the of just exploring those two together. Is there any last words you'd like to say to our listeners? When Cthulhu rises one day and we are all faced with the prospect of existence ending... Make sure you draw a moustache on him. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in to Alamat UDND. Uh, my name is Faris Najib. Do add us on Instagram and Facebook uh, and check out Table Mini's uh, website. Um, with me, I have Dennett. Hey. And uh, Dennett, say goodbye. Bye, everybody. And of course, we have the lawkeeper, Feroz. Fairly well. Alright, take care and keep safe. <laughs>